Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today, I'll be interviewing Jonathan the Potter. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. Where did you grow up, Jonathan? I grew up on uh, Maui in Hawaii, which is uh, a beautiful place, but uh, not not the easiest place to grow up either. <laughs> what? Why is it not so easy to grow up there? Well, you know, it's um, it's it's a very diverse place, um, but uh, in particular, the town that I grew up in was predominantly local, uh, which is a mixture of you know, Hawaiian, Filipino, Mexican, Portuguese, Tongan, Samoan, Cook Island, Chinese, Japanese. Uh, but being a, being a white kid is actually um, is, is quite the minority. So there was, there was literally one other white kid in my school. So uh, I was really the odd one out. Oh, wow. I see why it was uh, difficult for you. It's like, wow. Okay. So how did you get into plant medicine? Yeah. So, um, so growing up in Hawaii, um, I was lucky to have, you know, very caring, loving parents, actually quite hippie and spiritual parents. But um, I myself went, of course, very much in the other direction. So um, wound up in the corporate world and, um, you know, very fortunate to have had a, a successful career there. Um, and yet after about 15 years, you know, I, I found myself working in strategy and management consulting in Hong Kong, leading a large team. Um, but at that point, you know, as an atheist and working on the grind, chasing the next client, the next deal, the next promotion, uh, I just, I found myself at a place where, I knew there was more to life, but I didn't know where it would come from. Uh, and so uh, I took a year off and as part of that year found my way through South America and ultimately to an ayahuasca retreat, which um, was not something that I had planned or expected, uh, but it really, for me, opened the door to spirituality, to accessing parts of my mind that were you know, not available through everyday waking consciousness and ultimately improvements to quality of life that I could not have believed to be real uh, five or six years ago now. So I've heard uh, Mike Tyson, you know, the famed uh, ex-heavyweight boxing champion. Um, I listened to uh, some of his talks in this podcast, and he's talked about ayahuasca a, a great deal. Could you uh, talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so Mike is Mike is famous for you know, doing a great deal in this space and and speaks well about ayahuasca as well as five meo DMT, which is known as as the toad. Um, so ayahuasca is uh, the combination of two plants, um, confusingly, one of which is ayahuasca, the other is chacruna, um, and often a third and sometimes even a fourth plant as well, depending upon the tradition under which it's being used. Um, so there's there's literally you know hundreds of different. Uh, plant medicine, uh, ayahuasca traditions that are out there across Central and, and South America. Um, but typically speaking, um, people come together in a ceremonial context. You know, there's uh, places out there that do, you know, smaller group sizes. There's places out there that do group sizes of even up to 100, which is uh, pushing it in my, my perspective. Um, and people come together in a ceremonial context and drink the medicine, 
uh, ceremonies tend to start at night and tend to last between you know four to six even up to 10 hours long um, and what the medicine does and, and indeed what most psychedelic plant medicines do um, is to um, increase our access to our subconscious mind, uh, increase our sensitivity to some of the things that are happening there. Um, the medicines are also recognized to be neurogenetic, uh, which is that they facilitate the growth of new neurons, as well as to facilitate an increase in neuroplasticity, um, which allows the information to flow between regions of the brain that normally do not communicate. Um, and so, um, you know, in the West, unfortunately, I think as a result of overwhelm and stress and all of the things that happen in, you know, the modern everyday Western life, our brains have in fact become quite decompartmentalized or compartmentalized, I should say. Um, and so, you know, these medicines really do help us reunite the hemispheres and regions of the brain in the ways that they should be uh, in a much more interconnected way. So you said it's a medicine and the ayahuasca in particular could have two or three other plants uh, mixed together with it or hybridized? Yes, that's right. Um, so different, different traditions um, tend to mix the medicine in different ways. And, and given, of course, just the nature of the medicine, even, um, you know, even a given tradition, given the organic uh, essence of, of the you know, chopping, chopping down the vines and, and gathering the leaves and bringing the plant together and, and mixing the medicine. Each batch of medicine tends to be unique um, in, its, in its own way, even if the same plants are being used, if that makes sense. So this medicine helps with the brain functioning, um, the neurons, you said, because our minds are so compartmentalized and probably regimen in so many ways because we go to work a specific time every day we eat a certain time every day all of these different things and we are not really expanding or challenging our brains after a certain period of times it appears i think i think that's right and you know i think um because we all have so much to deal with in everyday modern life um we've actually kind of overwhelmed our brain to a great degree. Uh, and so in response to the high degree of complexity that we face every day, the brain begins to make, um, I guess, patterns, right? It begins to pattern its behaviors so as to be able to deal with that complexity. And while that sounds like kind of a positive energy, efficient, adapt adaptive mechanism or adaptive response, in practice, it's actually doing uh, damage to the software of the brain. Um, so one of the examples that I sometimes give is that, um, you know, we all know someone whereby if we were to present them with some new piece of information, we already know how they're going to respond to that information. Um, and so what that shows is actually someone who's fallen into deterministic thinking patterns uh, and, and, you know, to, to a great extent lost their brain function uh, as a result. You know, there's very interesting science out there um, from the National Science Foundation, which shows that your typical person has between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day, which is obviously a lot. Um, they think only about themselves. So all thoughts are egoic. I, me, my. 95% of thoughts are negative and 85% of thoughts are repetitive. 
um, sorry, it's the other way around. Uh, 95% are repetitive and 85% are negative. So we think a lot. We think only about ourselves. We think the same things about ourselves and very, very mostly bad things about ourselves, which is really tragic when you think about it. So we're not really living our best lives if we are living that way. And were, were you at all skeptical before you uh, did the retreat or find out more about this particular medicine? You know, I was, um, you know, I grew up uh, growing up in Hawaii. It's a very substance rich environment. And so I wouldn't say that I could see any positive things coming from uh, whether it's alcohol or weed or other other drugs or indeed psychedelics. Um, and of course, you know, in the US, we're all fed the, the same narrative around just say no. And so what I observed around me and what I was taught in school, you know, they felt and it seemed to line up pretty well. So, you know, I had never really felt attracted to anything of the sort myself. And so I was very surprised, actually, um, you know, the other the other factor that did that did play a role is that um, about 10 years prior to me attending my own retreat, a friend of mine uh, went on a retreat in Peru uh, and she came back a, a completely transformed person. So, you know, she'd unfortunately had a pretty challenging slash traumatic childhood. And so um, she was always full of self-doubt and shy and just, you know, just could never seem like she could get herself into a good position or a good relationship and she came back from this retreat like totally fired up about life she was organizing picnics and surf trips and rock climbing and it was like whoa what happened with Sophie she she seems to be a completely new purpose uh, person uh, and so that had kind of you know registered itself in the back of my mind because it seemed to be that there was something here that was quite different from um from what I had previously expected and understood um now the last piece I'll say is that you know even though for, for me, these medicines have been an absolute blessing. Um, these experiences can be very challenging. Um, so for me personally, you know, the first retreat, to be honest with you, I wasn't prepared for what I was getting myself into. Um, and it was easily um, a few of the most challenging and, and honestly terrifying uh, nights of my life because it's opening the door to everything that exists within the subconscious. Um, and for me personally, you know, I was a pretty... Uh, high performing hard worker and I would say quite contracted in the way that I saw the world and and thought and felt that I had a lot of the right answer so to um, to be opened up into the spirit world in, in such kind of a, an uncontrolled way uh, which is the way that I would look at it now because I just wasn't well prepared or guided um, was was a very challenging experience so it was challenging and you weren't you said you weren't really prepared so it opened up some doors that you weren't consciously aware of even though it's there yeah so so part of my experience was that my brain was you know through this decompartmentalization and reconnection of the brain that's taking place we often regain access to memories and indeed traumas that um that have been compartmentalized away uh and so part of my experience was you know though I can see this now, I didn't understand it at the time, um, was that my brain was trying to reconnect to some early childhood trauma. Um, and, you know, I, I count myself to be super lucky and blessed in the sense that I have very loving, protective parents, 
but yet there was some stuff there that had happened, you know, around age four, age five, that I just really had no idea about. And so the brain was trying to reconnect to that. Um, and it was so painful, so challenging that actually it was, it was overwhelming um, my system. And so I was passing out as a result of um, trying to, to reconnect to these um, painful, traumatic memories. So why was the brain trying to reconnect to those, uh, those childhood traumas? Yeah, it's a good question. And, um, you know, sometimes people also ask, you know, why, why would you want to reconnect to some of these early childhood traumas? Um, and there's a kind of there's a saying in the in the industry that we can't heal what we won't feel, right? So for many of us, there are, you know, these, these traumas that we almost universally have, you know, pretty much everyone that we work with uncovers early stuff that they need to resolve. Um, these traumas that we have from earlier in life and indeed often intergenerational stuff, um, they do manifest in our everyday character, right? So whether that's anger, impatience, frustration, just kind of feeling stuck, um, there, there's many ways in which these traumas do manifest in our, in our everyday life. So um, these medicines do present an opportunity to, to, to resolve those. Um, and so, you know, the, for, for me personally, um, it, I, I was just really not, not prepared. I didn't have the tools. I didn't understand that this was potentially part of the experience. Um, and so, you know, the, there was my, I guess my egoic self uh, was trying to defend me against rediscovering what was a very painful um, childhood memory. Uh, and so that's part of why I was, you know, passing out um, during the experiences that um, the brain was trying to protect itself from itself, uh, which is why these these memories are compartmentalized away in the first place, right? It's a coping mechanism um, to be able to continue on with life in spite of uh, experiencing significant trauma. So how did you get from that place or was it just, just the continuation of being in the retreat? Or did you have to do something else after that experience? Yeah, so it was actually, um, I, I did get some, the first night of this retreat was was overwhelmingly uh, challenging. I didn't really, I can't really, I would even say it was to some degree traumatic. Uh, I didn't really get much out of the first night. The second night, I did have what would be described as a, a little bit more attention and, and perhaps spiritual protection because of, um, what I went through in the first night. And so um, I did get some, you know, profound insights and guidance in relation to who I was. And, um, I, you know, I got the message that I'm the only thing that it stands between me and, and whatever it is that I'm looking for in this world, which is, you know, at the same time, one of the most empowering and yet humbling <laughs> experiences um, that one could imagine. Um, but ultimately, I wasn't able to resolve uh, the, the trauma um, in that first retreat towards the end of, um, towards the end of the retreat, I in fact had, um, one of those, you know, those Mario question mark boxes. Yes. Um, what, one of those popped up in, in my mind, uh, as part of the visuals that I was, um, that I was going through towards the end of, uh, the retreat. And I thought, okay, well, what's in the question mark box? And, and the, the message that came back very quickly is you're not quite ready to um to access the box so i had a very challenging experience but ultimately um i wasn't able to access or resolve that childhood trauma um within within that first retreat um 
you know, I was able to, you know, about probably a year and a half later during a private retreat with a couple of close friends, I was able to go much deeper um, and, and, you know, having been much more prepared for the experience to go in. And then I was able to reconnect to that, uh, that and those experiences and, and resolve them and release some of the energies associated with them. And I came out of that experience feeling about honestly 30 or 40 pounds lighter. Uh, I'm not a heavy guy, but you know, that was some <laughs> sort of burden, burden that I, I was carrying emotionally and spiritually at the moment it was released. I was like, wow, what just happened to me? I, I just like, I just lost all this weight. It's incredible. Is it safe to say the battle that we are having is between our ears, even though it manifests in different ways, it's in between our ears. And you said moments ago, we can't heal what we can't feel. So is it that wrestling back and forth of not wanting to feel anymore? Because oftentimes when someone has encountered or experience some things in childhood or various stages in their lives, they would say, this is never going to happen to me again. And they spend their lives not being in that vulnerable position again, or trying not to be in that position. Mm, beautifully said, Maurice. That's really, that's really profound. And I think that's exactly right. That, you know, the majority of us are, are unwilling to look in the places that, we could most benefit from looking uh, and those are the places that are scary you know that are scary to look because there's things there that um that have very deep and, and often painful associations um they're they're with them uh and i think that you know often when we look to the outside world and we like to you know in in <laughs> i think particularly in uh, american cultures there's 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 a there's a kind of natural inclination to externalize fault. Uh, whereas I think in reality, exactly as you say, the problems all exist between our ears. And so when we, you know, when we are looking to the outside world for fault, we actually just need to look into our inside world and try to resolve and heal any of the challenges that are arising within us that then lead us to believe that the, the, the problems exist in the outside world. I remember this Michael McDonald song. He said, who knows your secrets deep inside? Who got your trust in exchange for lies and threw it all away? There is no lie good enough to hide the truth from yourself. So we are hiding the truth for ourselves. We are literally imploding, so to speak. If we don't get a hang of it, we just continue going down that spiral. Like you're saying, we're looking for things to blame. We're looking for people to blame. But there is no blame. It's only the acceptance and going with the flow. So if I'm able to feel again, if I'm able to feel again, then I will be able to resolve things. But as long as I'm rigid in life, everything that's rigid in life breaks everything. But the more pliable we are mm. and going with it, we can get out of anything, even the greatest ocean. If I'm able to just float on top, it'll take me wherever I desire to go on this journey. Absolutely. I think that that's 100 percent right. And, you know, the um, it really is about feeling and, and being able to reconnect, right, reconnect first and foremost with ourselves. Um, and and to re rejoin mind body heart and spirit, 
in the ways that they should be connected um, and, and releasing all of the shame, the guilt, the fear, the grief, the apathy, you know, all of those lower level emotions. Um, and, and, you know, I think there's a dietary component as well. You know, I think um, eating good food and, um, and, and taking care of our bodies uh, also, you know, has a, a very spiritual significance to it. And so as we, begin to reconnect with ourselves in a deeper way, then we can begin to recognize, you know, some of the other uh, disconnections that are happening in our lives, right? So that could be with our loved ones, with our families, could be uh, recognizing that, you know, we've fallen out of community uh, and we don't even know our neighbors anymore. Um, and, and falling out of connection with the planet, right? So most of us are, are living, le leading busy lives where, we, we've actually lost our connection to the planet. And so as we, you know, prioritize ourselves and reconnect in a very deep way with ourselves and begin to, to understand that the standard, the standard model for good is actually pretty bad uh, in terms of a modern life and that we can, we can really improve ourselves in a, in a deep way, then all these other sources of connection come running back to us as well. So what, what are some other testimonials that you have encountered over the years by way of healing in some way, shape, or form for people taking in the medicine? Yeah, there was one word I missed there. Did you say testimonials? You, you kind of looking yeah. to hear some other stories from others? Yeah. What are some other stories that um, people, some good experiences that people have had? Yeah. Um, one of one of those that uh, immediately comes to mind is uh, we had a, a tech client come down from San Francisco and you know, he'd been thinking about doing this for some years and he and I really connected. And so he, he kind of came down to one of our retreats in Costa Rica. Uh, and after the retreat, he sent me a message that said, oh, my God, I've cleared 50 I've cleared 50 years worth of shit in 10 days. This has been more amazing than I ever could have imagined. I, I came to play and I went all in deep uh, more later. And that was just a text, text message he sent me. And so, it was, you know, it was beautiful to see that, you know, he was, he was in a pretty, in a pretty bad way. Um, despite, you know, all his outer world success, he was just not taking care of himself. Well, so that was, that was one. Another, another one that really sticks out for me is, um, one of our clients, she came back and she goes, oh, you know, that was so, that was, that was so great. I've got such a clear vision. Uh, and so I was like, oh, look, you know, looking forward to connecting with you once you're settled in back home and, um, and uh, yeah, hearing about the plans that you have for the future. And she was like, sorry, what was that? And I said, well, you know, what you said about your vision. She goes, no, no, no. Like I can see like way better than I've ever been able to see in my entire life. And so I'm just re-experiencing the world with a new pair of eyes. Uh, so that was, you know, a bit unexpected, but uh, but pretty amazing. And so, you know, there's there's certainly deep, deep physical healing benefits as well. Um, I've actually got my mom living with me at the moment and she's working on her um, on her cancer. And it's you know, all the work that we're doing is mental and emotional and, and spiritual work rather than, uh, you know, the physical uh, approach, which is so much the norm in terms of Western medicine. Uh, and then the last uh, the last client that comes to mind is um you know, someone who was uh, who had struggled with addiction um, for for quite a few years, and he was finding himself. You know, he wasn't an addict at the time, but he was finding himself. You know, through COVID, feeling pretty triggered, and um, 
and kind of heading in that direction. And so he came and joined us for a retreat and he said, you know, this is the first time in 20 years I've enjoyed being myself. Uh, and again, that, those are just words that, you know, brought some tears to my eyes. Cause I mean, what else could be more important than, than feeling comfortable in our own skin? I, I, while you just said that, I was just thinking that is so simplistic, but so powerful because we all are designed to be something or take space in some arena, mm. just being ourselves. And imagine the bird without flight. Just imagine that. They would be so hampered, so just not being able to express the goodness that's already within them. We don't need anything. We have everything we need in our lives simply awaiting our recognition of it. So this medicine just opens what's already there. And we have to be at peace with ourselves and come to that place and accept that being in that space of who we are. So that's just uh, fantastic and amazing. I was going to ask you as well about your parents. Have your parents seen your journey and the things you've been doing with this uh, plant medicine? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were, they were pretty surprised and, um, and supportive when they found out, I didn't tell them about the, that first retreat ahead of it because, um, well, for two reasons, one is, uh, it, it was to some degree, it was an admission that they were right about many things in life and that I was wrong. <laughs> uh, and, and indeed that was the case. Um, and second to that, I didn't want them to be afraid and, and worry about me because these, these experiences are known to be, to be pretty intensive. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I love, I absolutely love that analogy in terms of learning, you know, learning to fly and, and being able to fly. I think you're absolutely right. Not a single one of us is just a random permutation of evolution. You know, we're not, we're not designed to sit in large skyscrapers in fluorescent lighting and, um, and, and churn out, uh, you know, reports for, um, for, for huge businesses. It just doesn't give us the, the satisfaction and joy of life that is available for absolutely every single one of us. And so it's an exciting time to, 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 to be alive as more and more people recognize that. So for me, it was, um, it was interesting because in starting this journey, there was a real decoupling of identity. Um, I did go back after this experience, I did go back into the corporate world. Uh, and so I worked, um, I had the opportunity to actually establish a new office in a new country for a global consulting firm. Um, but there was a real, you know, during the years that followed, there was a real decoupling of identity between work identity and personal identity. Uh, and before those two were very much one and the same. So, you know, if I had a bad day at work, then I had a bad day. Um, and so, and so, you know, that was a, an interesting process. And then as I, you know, continued to do my own um, personal and spiritual work with plant medicine, um, then I found, you know, the understanding and the guidance and the courage to ultimately, um, you know, move into, into this ecosystem and industry. Uh, and through that process, there was, again, a, a kind of a remerging of identity because I was more deeply aligned to purpose, something I cared about, something I, you know, I felt I could bring value into other people's lives versus, um, you know, just trying to chase that next client, the next promotion, the next deal without any real deeper why that sat behind that. 
how were you able to make that transition? Um, like you had a bad day. Imagine you had a non-pleasant day at work and not allow that to just continue on in this spiral of these different thoughts each day. And you're able to switch from that. How did I know your work with the medicine and mental work as well? Do you think about it or it just happens you're able to kind of transition from that mind space? Yeah, so, you know, uh, it's, 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 it should be, um, I should mention that this work with the medicine has coincided also with taking a meditation practice much more seriously. And that's very common in relation to people who discover plant medicine because they begin to understand and, you know, witness that there are patterns of mind and, and limiting beliefs and even just, you know, compulsive, compulsive thinking that is not in service to self. Uh, and so meditation has also played a, a significant role in being able to reduce thoughts, right? So, so typically speaking, um, what, we're, what we're trying to achieve through this work is to sustain an elevated state of consciousness. So we're trying to harmonize mind, body, heart, and spirit up to a higher vibration and to be able to maintain that vibration. And that takes, you know, the physical, the mental, the emotional, and, and spiritual to come together uh, in, the, in the right ways. And so when that's, when that's working uh, and when clients are making progress, then what tends to take place is that the quality of thoughts tends to go up and the quantum of thoughts tends to go down. Um, and so, you know, if I so chose, I could spend, I could spend the whole day without any thoughts um, uh, over the, after the five years of, of relatively hard work that I've done. So, you know, to have that peace of mind when it's required is, uh, is certainly a blessing. Um, and, and, you know, the way that I look at this, this now is that it's not that our, our thoughts are our own. It's just that our, our minds are modulated to a particular frequency or modulated in a particular way. Uh, and so the thoughts that we receive are a byproduct of that frequency, of that modulation, of that vibration uh, in our mind. And so as we improve that vibration, as we elevate our consciousness successfully, then, as I shared before, the, the quality goes up and the quantum of thoughts goes down. Can you describe that being able to be without thought? Is it you're just in a, a feeling state or you're just in this conscious state? Could, are you able to describe that? Yeah. Um, so for if I if as you were asking the question, I kind of, um, you know, just focused in on my consciousness quickly. And I guess um, there's a vibratory state across my my being um, and you can really feel uh, every piece of your body uh, in vibration. Uh, in, in harmonious vibration. And so when I focus on what's going on in the mind, um, it's just consciousness. It's just, it's just that vibration. Um, and, you know, in my meditation practice, I, I typically go into what I would describe as the source uh, of consciousness. And there's endless discoveries and, you know, um, I would say, spiritual and um, realizations in relation to self and, and the outside world, the universe and the relationship between the two. Um, so if I just sit peacefully, um, it's, um, it's just a, it's a very comfortable state of, 
being. I really enjoy, for example, just sitting on my porch and, and just looking down and out at the palm trees. Uh, and I can do that literally for, for hours and, uh, and feel pretty good about it. <laughs> so are, when you, you said something about feeling uh, moments ago, are we supposed to, I be, I'm just thinking when I was a kid, right? So it seemed like the sun was brighter. Not that mm. the sun is brighter, but from my perspective, the colors were brighter. The sunshine shone brighter. Just everything seemed more vivid. Mm. And being an adult uh, filled with doing this, doing that, and not being, right? We're human mm. beings, but just doing, getting more off-kiltered and trying to get back on path or in course, I could literally feel my hair, feel my scalp, you know, just feel it. And as an adult, there was a time that I couldn't feel it, not with my hand, but just feel it. Mm. You, you know what I'm saying? I do. I do. Yeah. It's, um, and, and, you know, that's another aspect actually, is I didn't used to be able to feel anything within my mind. Um, you know, I didn't think that I could feel anything within my mind. And now I can feel, you know, all regions of my brain, of my brain very actively. There's a lot more electricity, right? There's, um, there's a, I think there's a, there's a lot more scientific understanding coming out in relation to bioelectricity, right? Which is to the degree that we can um, state, feel that charge and feel alive. And I think that's part of what helps us to stay in the present moment, right? When we've got a high degree of charge and energy in our, in our being, in our essence, then it's much easier to stay present in the moment that we're grounded. Um, and when we, when we, you know, allow this default mode network of our brain um, to be active, then that's the thing that drags us off into the future to worry about some, you know, um, unlikely, uh, unlikely negative future scenario um, or, or drags us into the past, into something that, you know, took place that we, we may or may not have liked. And so, um, you know, that's another aspect of this is just being able to, to, to dampen down this default mode network of the brain to stay in that present moment so that we can feel um, every aspect of our being. So for people who are really interested in knowing more about you know, the plant medicine, are the retreats expensive or could you talk a little bit about those different retreats? Yeah, sure. Um, so for anyone who's um, exploring a potential retreat, I would really encourage you to um, first and foremost, take the time and the energy to develop your own why in a very deep way. Um, like I said, this is certainly some of the most challenging work that I've ever done. Uh, in my life, and, and many people report the same. So I think it's super important that people develop their own why. Um, second to that, I'd really encourage people to spend extensive time and energy uh, researching this space. So there's a lot of different medicines, there's a lot of different, um, you know, retreats out there, different styles in terms of the way that they're facilitated and guided. Uh, very Number three, the, the most important thing that I would say in relation to this is Find someone who can help you from a mental and emotional perspective, prepare for this experience and integrate the experience. It's not the retreat, you know, that that really makes a difference to the quality of life. It's the high quality preparation and integration before and after such a powerful experience. Now, 
um, I share those just to you know help people you know navigating the space because it is a bit of a a bit of an emerging ecosystem and, and honestly it's a bit of a minefield. Um, retreat costs um, vary. I would encourage people to look at those that are a week lo or longer, um, just if they're in a position to do so, because this is such deep and complex work that that's really the best container to get the most out of uh, such an experience. Um, any of those that are, I think, you know, doing the work at a, at a reasonable level will be starting price point between 30 and $3,500 for a week. Um, there are a few others that are a bit cheaper, but again, just to do your homework uh, and, and then the pricing goes up from there. Um, so there's, you know, there's some retreat centers that are 15, 20 K for the week. Um, and so I would encourage, again, people to, to do their own homework and uh, know why they're going to do it and find a place that they really resonate with. Now, the toad, is that a big difference uh, than the ayahuasca? It is. You know, for my, for my friends and my per professional network, when, when they come to me for personal guidance rather than professional guidance, and obviously it's a mixture of the two, I do generally, if they're of sound heart and mind and all of those sorts of good things, I do generally point them in the direction of the toad uh, over ayahuasca. And the reason being that, um, it is actually generally recognized as a more powerful experience. Um, so it's recognized as, in fact, four to six times more powerful than ayahuasca. Um, but it's actually, in some ways, it's easier. Um, it's not as demanding upon the physical body. Uh, the egoic self, the small self, doesn't really have as much of a chance to hang on. Uh, and, um, and the ceremonies themselves are typically more individualized. And they're also much shorter. Um, so the peak of the ceremony is only between, you know, 10 to 20 minutes versus with ayahuasca where it's four to six hours. Um, and so it's, it's a very powerful experience, but for, for those who are, you know, ready to go deep, I think it's a, it's a good option. Now, when you had this experience, this first experience with ayahuasca, did you begin to immerse yourself in studying or did you uh, seek out people who were already, teaching it or doing it or was it like a both no so for me it was um initially it was just uh for myself um it was still uh probably about a year before i began to do what i would describe as, as some of my own studies i personally don't facilitate plant medicine so you know people who people who do typically have worked with plant medicine um hopefully for at least five years. And there's a lot of cowboys out there, unfortunately, but um, to facilitate and uh, guide people through these experiences, a whole nother frontier and, and not something that I personally do. So uh, my, my, my experiences and my understanding has been, you know, to, to be able to lead uh, a group of facilitators and healers and, and to do my own work rather than to facilitate medicine work uh, for others. You talked earlier about eating well also. So, you know, our minds and bodies. So what are some things that uh, are good for people to eat? What are some good things to eat? Yeah, the, the things that I always come back to is, um, is you know, just a ton of, a ton of vegetables. Um, there's just no replacement for eating a ton of vegetables and preferably preferably organic vegetables. Um, I think, you know, for me, that, uh, that certainly helps me keep the energy really high. Um, for those people that, you know, for that, if that's too difficult, then really encourage you to drink, um, 
a, a strong green juice, you know, the more disgusting, uh, the better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, it's it's amazing. Like you know, I always encourage people: look, just do it for a week. Um, you know, even if you can if you can cut out uh, a meal a day, right? You know, I know intermittent fasting has grown pretty popular. That's certainly what our bodies are 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 wired to to have is not us eating for sixteen hours a day and and sleeping <laughs> for eight, but um, for us to eat for maybe four to eight hours a day. Uh, and then rest our bodies and uh, the rest of the time or rest our digestive tract the rest of the time. Uh, and maybe, you know, if, if that doesn't work for you, maybe try to replace one of those meals with a, with a, with a green juice. Uh, and I think that can really help. You'll see the benefits immediately to um, your energy levels, to your skin, to even eyesight and, uh, and probably to your emotional well-being as well. I, I believe that's what we're missing in the States, particularly. Everything is sweet. Everything is salty. We're missing the bitters. And that's really some medicine in those bitter foods that we consume. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's um, uh, I don't make it back to the U.S. as often as I'd like to. Uh, well, especially not in the last couple of years. But, um, but I, when I get back there, I'm always just my i'm always amazed um by the portion size and also <laughs> the the food uh you know i went um a couple of years ago now buddy and i went uh, on a tour around uh, arizona and zion national park etc and um we ended up we ended up splitting meals um uh, virtually at every at every and, and he's you know about the same size as me we're both about six foot and, and about 200 pounds we're not small guys and uh and we were sharing dinners every single night and having more than enough food that way and it was just a reminder of like wow this is uh this is <laughs> this is quite the phenomenon yeah and we do have a a weight problem a health problem in the states um we people are more larger than carrying more weight than previous generations and i believe it's just this you know this fast food and these foods we're consuming they're not good for us so you really have to actually you have to do some work in order to eat well but you can eat well you know you just have to put some effort in anything worth having is worth the struggle as well because once you get in the groove of it because there are um Local farmers are becoming more popular now. So you can go to the local um, person selling fruit on the street. Well, you know, um, street vendors or like in these flea market type um, things. And you can eat really well at a really good cost as well. Uh, what's being promoted is the 99 cent this and the dollar this or these fast food spots and it does not benefit us even if we don't have the quote-unquote money to do it yeah absolutely and i think um you know it's it's so easy unfortunately i think one of the curses of modern life is that it's so easy to make bad decisions right that is really the tragedy and it's much harder actually to make good decisions um so whether we talk about you know food, whether we talk about Netflix, whether we talk about social media consumption, um, it's just so easy to be dragged into things that are not bringing us closer to uh, our true purpose or what we truly are. Um, and so, you know, I would always encourage people to 
to really look at their habits, uh, consumption patterns, and how they're spending their time and their energy and, and ask those questions. You know, is this bringing me closer to my true purpose or do I feel like it could be bringing me to closer to my true purpose? And is this bringing me closer to who and what I really am? Um, and I think there's just so many forces out there in this world that are trying to, to bring us away from those things, unfortunately. Uh, and the metaverse is, uh, is still to come. <laughs> True. Now, where did these medicines originate from? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So, um, you know, if we, if we wind all the way back, we have, um, we have evidence, strong evidence of plant medicine traditions from virtually every continent in the world. Um, so these are ancient traditions that, um, that have, you know, very different plants. There's probably about 150 plants that have, um, you know, hallucinogenic or, or psychedelic properties uh, across the globe. And so um, virtually every ancient wisdom tradition had uh, a medicine or medicines that they worked with. Now, unfortunately, part of colonialism is that they they wiped out, you know, there was a, a real effort to wipe out any of these medicine traditions and, of course, to replace them with um, Christianity to a greater or lesser extent. And so when we hear about um, the witches, you know, the witches from this culture or that culture, um, I think we can pretty confidently say that that was an attempt to wipe out uh, the plant medicine traditions. Um, you know, because you have to ask the question, you know, what is it that these people were doing that was so bad that we needed to end their lives? And I think it was, um, you know, the, the deep connection with spirit um, that, the, that was being facilitated through these types of experiences that um, don't really fit the model of, of, of the more modern religions where uh, often, you know, there's, there's forces that are trying to sit between you and your own divinity rather than connecting you back to your own individual divinity and, and relationship with, with the higher power. Um, and so I think, you know, that's, that's a large part of why these traditions have been wiped out across the globe. And also a large part of why it is that they have survived where they have. Um, so, you know, most, I think most popularly, uh, the medicine traditions that have reemerged have come from high in the Andes and deep in the Amazon. You know, these are places where uh, it was difficult for colonial forces to actually reach. Um, and so they were able to preserve these traditions in these places. And, you know, thank goodness, because they've been able to reemerge over the past decades uh, and recapture, you know, the Western imagination. When you said psychedelic and hallucinogenic uh, medicine, I immediately thought about tie-dye shirts and just <laughs> some weird stuff, right? But that's just the ignorance of not knowing. And once mm. we get past the ignorance and challenge some things and really seek out, like you said, study and seek out our understanding of things because it could be much different than what we really think and have a negative connotation. Even food, when we see certain foods, we eat with our eyes. And if it doesn't look satisfying and pleasing, we get a negative connotation towards it. Just like me and mushrooms. I didn't like how mushrooms look for whatever reason. <laughs> and I never ate mushrooms until like maybe four or five years ago. I ate it because I changed my diet, you know, and I was like, oh, my goodness, it tastes so good. I mean, it's not a pungent <laughs> taste, but it's so good. You know, once I got rid of the ignorance and gave it a shot, uh, 
you know, give it a try. So we should uh, give things a try. It's not for everybody. Uh, everyone may not get to that space, but if they do, once they do the work, research, and then they could possibly try it. But you know what? I was thinking also when I was a kid, I grew up in a rural area and we had a lot of trees around. So I would Mm. walk every day. Me and my cousin, we would walk after school. He would walk with me, really, because I would like to go and play basketball in the neighborhood, maybe one mile away, walk. Mm -hmm. And we walked. And I would smell the trees, but I didn't realize it was medicine. I had Mm. no idea. But I could literally smell the trees. Mm. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love that. And yeah, nature nature is absolutely medicine and you know these 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 powerful psychedelic plant medicines are 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 a medicine as well but i think you know what you pointed to i think is is worthy of conversation which is that these 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 medicines respond to intentionality so they're not necessarily positive in their own right it's the intentionality that sits behind them that makes the fundamental difference you know what i say to some of our clients is like you know, look at any psychedelic community and you tell me whether that's the energy that you would like to reflect. And most people say, well, no, not really. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> well, there's a reason for that. And it's because, you know, it's, it's, it's not that these medicines immediately lead to good things. It really depends upon our own intentionality and how we use these medicines. Um, and, and then it can become a medicine if it's just, you know, um, finding some psychedelics on, uh, in, on a street corner and, and taking them with some friends and in in going to a concert. Well, you know, maybe you're going to have a, a fun time. Maybe you're not going to have a fun time. Uh, who knows? But um, but it's certainly not going to be the type of experience that we that is possible in terms of deep healing and, and releasing what we are not so that we can become closer to ourselves and and really reconnect with everything that is and, and discover our true nature. So intentionality is so key because even, you know, you've heard of the different uh, research and experiments where they gave people certain medicines, they gave a portion, and then they gave other, other people in the experiment like sugar pills or water pills. But mm. those who because of the intentionality and what they were wanting to happen, they healed themselves. It proves that they healed themselves through intentionality because they didn't get medicine. They just got something that resembled medicine, but their thought process and their hope and their intention brought forth healing within them. Absolutely. And, and, you know, for any, any modern medicine, um, thing that that, that's the thing that they always need to measure against right is that placebo effect Um, and it's such a powerful thing that it's it actually goes you know largely overlooked the other way to look at the placebo effect is that you know the mind is having such a powerful effect that we need to isolate out the power of the mind Um, and you won't you won't hear any pharmaceutical companies rushing to explain to you the power of the healing power of the of the mind and in particular, the subconscious mind, you know, if we if we truly embody and believe that we are in perfect health, um, then the you know, and if we just keep telling that to ourselves and to our subconscious mind, that that really does anchor and take hold and begin to realize itself in terms of um, the physical manifestation. 
And so whether we want to bring abundance, whether we want to bring health, whether we want to bring love, um, you know, whatever it is that we seek to bring into our lives, if we truly embody that vibration and believe that those things are true in our experience, then it's inevitable that the universe begins to, you know, organize itself in relation to that vibration that we've embodied. And so, you know, that's a large part of what any, I think, personal development work is, is about, or even building a business. If you, if you achieve the vibration of a successful business um, in, in what you're doing, then you've done, in my mind, 95% of the work. And then the universe is bringing the other 5% to you so that those things can be expressed in the external world. So you are literally the business and you're drawing this experience into your life. Is not you reaching outside of yourself. You're doing it from the inside out, it sounds like. Absolutely. And, you know, there's, um, there's this great paper. Uh, it's on the CIA website, believe it or not, which describes the nature of the universe. It's a declassified paper from 1983. Um, and it describes the nature of the universe as a hologram of consciousness of unbelievable complexity. And that we derive this 3d reality by virtue of through 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 the mind and so it's it's interpreting this hologram of unbelievably complexity through our minds that allows us to interpret reality as we deem it to be um, so as the saying goes you know perspective is reality and so when we change our perspective then by virtue we change our reality uh, in this 3d world and so as we engage in as we recognize that this 3D reality is just a projection of mind, that allows us to engage in the game of life and indeed in relationship to self in such a different way because that allows you know, the, the release of the fear and the scarcity and the worries um, and us to just recognize that we are, yeah, that we are experiencing the whole universe is, is a reflection of what's going on uh, in our minds. And, uh, and then, you know, what's going on in our minds becomes absolutely primary and everything else is, uh, just a reflection of what's happening in our minds. It's amazing that the CIA, uh, declassified that and they want to know about that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And it, for me, when I first read it, I was, I was like you super surprised that they would, <laughs> Well, number one, that they had such knowledge. Number two, that they said such knowledge. And then number three, and what do they know now? <laughs> oh, that is not that is not declassified, right? Right, right. So, so how can people get in contact with you? Yeah, so um, we're a little different. We um, we like to meet our clients, and we like to take a really client centric. Uh, approach to this work so uh, there's no book now button on our website but you can visit us at uh, www.behold-retreats.com and uh, if uh, you'd like to explore a journey you'll speak with either me or or one of my colleagues uh, or you can follow us on at behold underscore retreats um, and uh, uh, yeah those are the two two best ways to get in touch and um, see what we're about and I would link these links will be in the description as well for people. Uh, so what is your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with? Yeah, I would say, you know, plant medicine is not necessarily for everyone um, for you know reasons that I've described and, and many more. Um, what I would say to people is 
find a practice that allows you to to prioritize your inner world and try to take somewhere between 30 minutes to an hour a day um, for yourself to prioritize what's going on in your inner world. Um, everything in the world is telling you to focus on the outside, right? Uh, our five senses, our family members, our job, everything is telling us that it's all on the outside. But in fact, it's all on the inside. So whether it's meditation, whether it's breath work, whether it's contemplative practices, um, whether it's plant medicine, um, find a practice that works for you and uh, spend some time there. Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflornoy.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.